Welcome to Watershed's May podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove and I'm the cinema curator here at Watershed. And this month, and for future months, delighted to be joined by Tara Judah, who has joined Watershed as the cinema producer. Welcome, Tara. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Talking about film is my favourite thing to do. And we're going to be looking at some of the films that are coming up in May. Um, and so what, what, are some of the, what are some of the highlights for you? Definitely the new film Revenge, which is a rape revenge horror thriller, uh, a genre film. Uh, Zama is one of my favourites that's coming up this month, a completely hilarious, beautiful, startling and surprising film that I think everyone should see multiple times and I'm looking forward to catching up with it again and again. Uh, those are probably my two biggest looking forward to films this month, but also Battle of Algiers, which is a, a classic as part of the Spirit of 68 season, which um, I haven't watched on a big screen mm. and have only ever seen on a small screen, so I'm really looking forward to rediscovering that in a cinematic context. Well, let's dive into the upcoming titles. So first up for me is uh, Andrew Haig's Lean on Pete. Um, he, you'll know his earlier films, Weekend, which was a real breakthrough film for him, his first feature and then 45 Years, which really um, was a great success and, and really established him, uh, not just nationally, but internationally. This is him making a film in America, um, but you know, unlike that idea of um, talent going to America, i.e. Hollywood, this is a very indie uh, feel to it, about a young boy from kind of rough, dysfunctional family, rough a neighborhood, kind of working class who, through his love of a horse, um, finds a sort of his, his way. It's very small, but um, beautifully observed, um, and brings all those qualities that Andrew Haig has in his previous films, which is wonderful observations of character, milieu, um, and detail. Yeah, I think it's going to be really amazing to see what he does in a different context, because he's become such a well-known British filmmaker with just his first two features um, and captured so much about class and the relationships and Britishness in both of those films in very different ways. It'll be really interesting to see what he does with a lens on a kind of quieter American social situation. Um, and I think that might be also... It reminds me of sort of Andrea Arnold's move to America with American Honey. So I think this is the similar kind of thing. He's, he's cast an eye over... British context and now we're going to get to see what an outside view of a certain American landscape and a certain America familial situation and how that will play out. Also coming up is uh, On Chesil Beach which I'm sure audiences will know of Ian McEwan's, the source material Ian McEwan's um, novel uh, which is a kind of huge success um, and this is a film adaptation of a first time featured director and Interestingly, Ian McEwan's been involved in updating it, which is, of course has caused um, a bit of consternation from the, the, the novel um, fans of the novel and how they will take the, the film. But what, what is um, interesting about it for me is that Ian McEwan has... It's an adaptation that the writer has been brought in to kind of rework or update. So it's, it's kind of got that authorial... Um, voice to it and we've got a preview of it on the 23rd with the producers so I'll be excited to hear them um, talking about this project. Fantastic. 
I'm also extremely looking forward to How to Talk to Girls at Parties, the new John Cameron Mitchell film. Um, he made Short Bus, which I absolutely adored. Um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch is a really interesting filmmaker, and I'm curious to see what he does with this sort of... It's almost, it looks to me like a film that brings kind of the... the the essence of Derek Jarman into kind of a mainstream pop music video, so I don't know how that's going to play out, but with Nicole Kidman... Well, that, well, that makes me want to watch it yeah. uh, even more, that description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something that I'm really, sorry, looking forward to. And of course, I, I, I get Neil Gaiman as the source material for that, isn't he? And, and the, the adaptation, so there's really one to look forward to. Also coming up, Zama, the Lucretia Martel uh, film, which has... Uh, Lucretia Martel, Argentinian director who made, um, really established herself with Liz Theonega um, in the international festival circuit um, and kind of one of those directors who you you say with Liz Theonega and, and The Headless Woman um, you, you know, this is, critics want to call it a new wave of Argentinian cinema but it's clear, she's clearly a director who is very distinctive um, filmmaking voice uh, whose films have got an incredible um, intelligence and atmosphere and control to them. Uh, and she's not made films now for a good few years, so there's been a bit of a distance. And then what came out about this film, Zama, everybody wants to see it in the festival circuit. Um, I managed to see it, and I'm still trying to work out um, what, it means. What, what, it, what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I, I agree actually. This film is kind of baffling but in a really joyous way and an absolute big screen must see because it's completely immersive and absolutely stunning to look at. The mm. landscapes are gorgeous in this film. Um, if you were to think about this film on paper, it sounds quite convoluted, a sort of 18th century um, displaced colony, Spanish colony somewhere in South America, possibly Paraguay. Um, but it's not really about that at all. It's just really quite simply about a man who is waiting and wants to go home but can't because of a lot of bureaucracy plus some other hidden plots and people trying to kill him um, along the way. And so actually for me this was a really Kafkaesque film. Mm. It's got that sense of um, obfuscation but it's really funny mm. and it's really engaging and you kind of don't really need to worry too much about the plot. In fact I think if you're focusing on the plot too much you're actually missing the point of the film which is to take in the atmosphere um, of, and the kind of ludicrousness of what it's like to be in this beautiful paradisical place mm. and just desperately wanting want to, to escape it yeah. um, so I found this film a really joyous experience yeah. but I think that it, it has so much going for it there's plenty to pick away it's like one of those kind of flowering onions that as soon as you yeah. think you've got it there's just more and yeah. more that comes out yeah. So there's another film coming out this month that is one to brace yourself for. It's called Revenge. Um, that, that title's not to be taken lightly. <laughs> it is what it says. Um, this, this is a film that I think will really divide opinions. Um, and it, it made me think of films like Raw. Um, so it's a kind of horror film, but a, 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 almost like a lipstick pop horror film. Um, the colours are extraordinary in this, this film, and they really just pop out of the screen at you. But it's also really heavy in terms of the subject matter. So it's a young woman who is on a weekend away with her boyfriend. Then his two friends turn up early for their hunting expedition. Um, and she is left alone with them. 
So this comes from a tradition of films where it plays on that thing of um, not quite home invasion, but isolation, a woman on her own in a vulnerable situation. What happens when the man that she's with and the protector goes off and leaves her with the other two men? Well, in this film, it is as you would expect what happens, but with a bit of a twist. So this comes from a tradition of rape revenge films, um, and it it doesn't hold back it or pull its punches. It just goes completely for blood, gore, and extreme. Um, so I think that you know this is a film really do brace yourself for it. But it's a really interesting film in terms of how it plays with the rape revenge uh, kind of tropes and also the the way in which that history has often been films told by males, and this is a female filmmaker, um, and she's made her female character really kick-ass, uh, and whether or not you kind of love or hate it, I think it's definitely a film that you all want to talk about when you see it, so definitely go along with others. It, it needs a conversation afterwards. It's a very exciting film, a really fascinating film, and it had me on the edge of my seat. Yeah. So approach with caution. Yeah. Um, but and we're, we're looking at doing some events to get a sense of people's um, responses to it and engage them in a conversation about it. So there will be an opportunity if people want to uh, talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Afterwards. I mean, I'm eager to talk about this film. Yeah, great. Definitely. This month uh, marks the 50th anniversary of May 68, the events uh, of May 68, which were the culmination of extraordinary social and political upheaval across the world. The 60s was obviously a tumultuous decade, but May 68 and its um, identification with France and particularly the events around that month um, is where it seemed to focus culturally, politically, well, politically, socially, and then culturally. Uh, given the 50th anniversary, I was keen to sort of reflect on that in cinema and, and you know, what happened there what was happening with film culture. Of course, one of the biggest things that happened in the film world was um, these young upstart filmmakers, people like Jean-Luc Godard, Francois Truffaut, uh, stopped and got the Cannes Film Festival to stop. <laughs> the, the, the high temple of film culture, these young radicals of the Nouvelle Vague said, what is more important? What is going on in the streets? or what is going on screen. And Andre Bazin may well have been turning in his grave, but uh, uh, the, there was this, the, 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 the real world events had gone straight into the cinema and it was make a choice and they cancelled the festival. It's extraordinary to even conceive of that today, that, that, that you could kind of stop the magnitude of something like the Cannes Film Festival with activism. Um, I mean, I think that that is a remarkable moment in history. And obviously, you know, we sort of gr I've grown up in the shadow of 68, not having been alive at the time, but always hearing these stories. And it's, it's, I think it's really interesting to look back and reflect on that now, given the kind of political and social climate that we're in, um, but also thinking of that as this great electric revolutionary moment um, and, and trying to think through like how that relates to living in a different time, mm -hmm. um, what lessons we can learn from that and also just how it played out because it, it feels like such a grand moment um, and obviously we, I, I, I kind of wonder like we, what that's like to have lived through mm -hmm. it because I only have the history of it. But also the film festivals do become flashpoints of, of where politics um, and culture meet. You, you, you know, you, you think about 
um, the sort of debacles around, well, Jaffa Pahani. Um, and he was supposed to be on the jury of Berlin. He wasn't allowed to come out of Iran. Um, they had an em the, the, the festival had an empty chair. Um, you know, so the festivals have all you know have dealt with those kind of moments, and I think May '68 and Cannes was the momentous one. And I, part of me wonders whether on the 50th anniversary they'll cancel it halfway through. <laughs> which, eh, we, we shall see if they mark it in such an extent. But what I wanted to do with the film season, um, the brunches in May, was just look at some films which were of that period and of that time. Um, and the Battle of Algiers that you mentioned earlier is is I, I wanted to put it in because it was pre sixty eight, but but Gilo Pontecorvo's um, film about um, the French colonial rule in Algiers and Algiers striving for independence um, actually you know fed into the kind of politics of May of May sixty eight about France's colonial past its relationship with its um, colonies um, and it, it is made in such an extraordinary way, it uses um, kind of Rossellini type neorealist um, approach so it can feel like a documentary and the the strategies that it shows of the, the rebels the radicals, the terrorists, I mean call them um, liberators, call them what you will um, I mean apparently this film is still watched by the Pentagon as a as a kind of notebook study of radicalism, of terrorism, of cell action within, so I mean, an extraordinary um, film that plays out into a wider um, context, but which 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 fed into the kind of the the politics of '68, um, certainly the politics that were around. Um, so I was keen to get a bit of a historical context because of course these things never just happen. I mean, there are there are all sorts of um, factors that are feeding into it, and then. Rocky Road to Dublin, which is a which is a, a wonderful um, documentary about Irish independence, made by um, a, a journalist for the Guardian, Irish journalist who used to write for the Guardian called Peter Lennon, um, and it was shown in May '68, the '68 edition of May '68 edition of Cannes Film Festival. It was one of the films that actually got on screen before they stopped before they stopped it. <laughs> before got a made yeah. a big hullabaloo. Um, and interestingly, shot by Goddard's regular cameraman, Raoul Coutal, um, very much you know the, the 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 cinematographer of the Nouvelle Vague. And Raoul Coutard and Peter Lennon was the French correspondent for the Guardian. But what Peter Lennon wanted to do in the film was explore. Irish independence, but what happens when you when the revolution's successful? What happens with and his concern about Ireland, and he shows it in the film, is that it, it is about its potential for cultural isolationism. It, that what you've got is a country ruled, but then sort of kind of semi-ruled by the Catholic Church, by the clergy, by and so he was kind of asking the question: Is this is this what we want? You know, and so it's interesting to look at that film when it was made fifty years ago. And, and kind of critique, critiquing the 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 state of independence, um, and to to look at it now and where Ireland is at now, you know, fifty years hence. And uh, I mean, sadly, Peter Lennon has died, but it, it would have been also interesting to know what his sort of thoughts were on on that. Um, but as I said, shown in Cannes uh, on in May '68, um, Godard's weekend is such an extraordinary 
assault on the senses, assault on the bourgeoisie, assault on capitalism, assault on everything. Is there any Godard film that isn't an well, assault on those things? But he does, he, but he does, it, he does it with such um, imagination, ideas and visual brilliance um, that you can watch it as a, a film as well, as well. I sort of thought about it as uh, recently as it's kind of like um, the Nouvelle Vagues falling down. <laughs> Except without um, Michael Douglas. Yeah, without, <laughs> without, without Michael, Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, lastly, um, of course, the impact on the UK. Uh, you know, there were protests outside Grosvenor Square, outside the US Embassy about Vietnam. Um, there was all sorts of politics that were being played out in the UK. That and and spilled over. I am sure was influenced by fan. And Lindsay Anderson's F, I think, is a very British revolutionary film. It's a film made by an establishment figure. Lindsay Anderson was part of the Oxford, Oxbridge, um, you know, elite. Um, and F is set in a, board, a fictional boarding school whereby um, it, it strips apart and assaults the very, um, the very society that he has come from. It asks the question, what, what happens when the worm turns and has had enough um, and just uh, completely uh, strips down um, the class that it has come from, that upper class? Um, and as I say, an extraordinary British um, revolution. And that was screened in Cannes the following year. And also around these Sunday brunches, there are films in the programme yes. that relate to the spirit of 68 as well. So the new film by Michelle Hazanovicius, yeah. Doubtable, is yeah. also opening this month. Which, which has kind of divided um, people in its view. I, I enjoyed it as a, a, as a kind of almost as a caricature a, a, Very much a, a, a caricature of God. God has always been a caricature, and I and I think this film kind of is not about May '68. It's set in May '68, but it's not really about May '68. It is about this Chaplin-esque. Keaton-esque figure called Jean-Luc Godard who bumbles his way. He seems to bumble his He's way He's a buffoon. Yeah. It's, it's quite extraordinary to see um, Godard played this way because we think of him as... or rev I think culturally we revere him, whether or not you like his films, but I think we kind of give him a stature of auteurism yeah. and see him as an artist. Um, and he really is shown as a kind of bumbling buffoon in this film. Yeah. Um, actually, the way Hazanovicius approached the material was through reading the books of his first wife, Anne Zemsky, who had written two books about her time with Godard, and in the second one, I think Hazana Vicious thought it was a really delightful and hilarious story, and that there was a movie in there. Also, as part of the film, new films being released, which link um, is Raoul Peck's The Young Karl Marx, and it links because you know Karl Marx is clearly a figure who who's um, informed you know the politics that fed into May '68. And the young Karl Marx, I, I loved because it showed how um, the power of an idea and what, what it, the, the time that it covers in Karl Marx's life is when he and Friedrich Engel wrote the Communist Manifesto. And so it, it's a kind of strangely costume drama, BBC costume drama bromance between Marx and Engels leading up to the point at which they write the Communist Manifesto. It's directed by Ralph Peck, who, you, you, you know, I'm sure people will have seen um, I'm Not Your Negro, which was 
amazing documentary. Um, it was incredible. Yeah. I mean, I'm so curious about the idea of uh, such a brilliant documentarian moving to make a fiction, a feature film, a fiction feature film based on historical fact, obviously, but that is a kind of weird period drama bromance. I mean, I think this is an extraordinary move from documentary into the kind of um, dramatism. And also that the, the drama is based so much on conversation um, because, you know, the obviously well, it's, the, about the it's, a, it's an intellectual it's about, it's about It's about ideas. Yeah. And we are showing um, a lot of these films under the context of Bristol's Festival of Ideas. And I think the young Karl Marx is a is a really brilliant example of young people because, of course, they were in their 20s, they maybe their early 30s, but it was young people being fired up by injustice that was around them and what they were going to do with it. And so the idea of looking at capital, capitalism, you know, um, and then writing and, and formulating it into the Communist Manifesto, which, of course, is one of the, the great sort of um, philosophical texts which then formed the bedrock of the revolutions that, and it came from two people going, this isn't, you know, this isn't right, is it? Well, that's the thing that I think is so re remarkable and worth remembering is that all of these things that, you know, when, when they're part of a history that you didn't grow up with, you, you often just think of these kind of giants and these older figures. Well, you, f you see them as old. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, they were young and fiery yeah. conversationalists in the, you know, in their, teens and 20s like they, you know that they, they, they that it was those moments and I think actually that's quite uh, you know empowering so mm. yeah it's it's great to kind of cast a eye back on this and think about what was it like at the time thanks Tara that's all for this month thanks <laughs>